Mantle and Maris remain hot as a nation turns its attention to the M&M boys. But the American League pennant race remains tight. It's episode 16 of Baseball 61. There it is. There it is. If it stays fair, there it is, number 60. How about that? A standing ovation for Roger Maris, who got number 60. Fastball hits deep to right. Hello, everyone, and welcome to Baseball 61, a podcast about the historic 1961 New York Yankees and the Major League Baseball season of 1961. I'm Dan Lavallo. We're going to cover a lot of ground in this episode, beginning with Friday, August the 11th. The Yankees start a road trip in our nation's capital, and the M&M boys launch an assault. Mickey Mantle belted his 44th home run of the season and Roger Maris his 42nd as the Bombers dismantled the Washington Senators 12-5 in front of 22,601 at Griffith Stadium. Ralph Terry hurled seven innings to record his eighth win against one defeat, while Hal Reniff registered his second save, hurling two scoreless innings. The Yanks jumped out to an 8-0 lead, Tony Kubek had four hits, including a triple, and Elston Howard added a double among his three hits to lead New York's 19-hit attack. The Yankees improved to 76-37, and and with the Tigers' loss at Minnesota, the Bombers now had a four-game lead. Meanwhile, the rumors were flying that Casey Stengel, Al Lopez, Charlie Dressen, and Leo DeRocher were all under consideration to be the new manager of the New York Mets. And stories persisted that the Cleveland Indians, with all of their attendance problems, would be leaving Cleveland. Or could be leaving Cleveland. Or would they leave Cleveland? But the rumors did persist. Meanwhile, the baseball world was also abuzz over the rare firing of an umpire. National League President Warren Giles fired umpire Frank Descoli. There was talk Descoli would not be offered a contract in 1962, and Descoli let it be known to some that he would quit at the end of the 1961 season anyway. He never made it to the end of the campaign. In fact, this story appeared in the Sporting News. Complaints against Frank Descoli were that he had rabbit ears, was quick to take offense, and was reluctant to talk to managers and players who felt they had a justifiable complaint. Perhaps Frank got that way by being a Connecticut state trooper before he won recognition as a top-ranking National League umpire. The Connecticut state troopers are well known for their unwillingness to take any quote-unquote lip from traffic violators. Saturday, August 12th. It was hot and steamy at Griffith Stadium. How hot was it? Well, Yankees broadcaster Mel Allen told his radio audience... It is a boiling sun. I'm not kidding. Our desk right here... I don't know how hot it is in the sun, but if we were to break two eggs right here, we wouldn't need anything to fry them in. Behind pitcher Dick Donovan, the Senators cooled off the Yankees with a 5-1 to one win. The only New York run scored in the fourth inning... Roger Maris stepped to the plate 
and Phil Rizzuto had the call. All the ball players' uniform shirts are completely soaked with perspiration. Looking down at Danny O'Connell, right now is playing shortstop against Maris. Bob Johnson, the shortstop, is playing second base. Chuck Cotty is playing short right field. And Bud Zip fell deep at first base. They're really overshifted on Maris. What a hole he's got down left field. Chuck Hinton is over almost in center field. The pitch is hit high in the air to right field. That could be a high drive. Can you imagine there wasn't one holy cow from the scooter? Washington scored four runs in the seventh to put the game away in front of 15,870. Bill Stafford suffered the loss, dropping to 9-6 and six in the two-hour and 18-minute ball game. With the Tigers annihilating Minnesota 17-3, the Yankees' lead was down to three games. Sunday, August 13th. The Yankees and Senators locked horns in a doubleheader in front of 27,368 fans. And New York got clobbered in the first game 12-2. The only Yankees runs, solo home runs by Mickey Mantle and Roger Maris. For Mick, it was his 45th of the season. And for Roger, his 44th. Bud Daly took the loss in the two-hour and 31-minute game, dropping to 9-16. Benny Daniels pitched the distance, striking out six and not walking anybody for his seventh win against six defeats. In the second game, the Yankees bounced back for a 9-4 win, erupting for five runs in the eighth inning to open a 9-1 lead. Maris belted his 45th homer of the season, and Jim Coates picked up the win, improving to 9-3 in the two-hour and 16-minute game. With Detroit getting pounded by Minnesota, the Yankees, at 77-39, and 39, held a three-and-a-half game lead over the Tigers. In the National League, the Dodgers, at 69-40, and 40, were in first place by two-and-a-half games over the Reds and nine-and-a-half games over their arch-rivals, the Giants. Monday, August 14th. The Yankees had a day of rest, returning to Yankee Stadium to open a series with the White Sox the next day. But that didn't mean all the Yankees rested. At Bear Mountain, New York, New York baseball writers and broadcasters played their annual baseball game as part of a day that featured baseball, a golf tournament, and clam bake. The names of the teams? The Yankees versus the Mets. That's right. Probably the first matchup between the Yankees and the Mets. And the Mets won 9-6. to six. By the way, no probably. It was really the first matchup between the Yankees and the Mets. The floodgates opened in the eighth inning when outfielder Mel Allen, yes, the voice of the Yankees, fell down diving for a ball hit by New York Daily News cartoonist Bill Gallo that started the collapse. The umpires in the game were Ralph Houck, Ralph Terry, and Yogi Berra. Among others in attendance were Yankees GM Roy Hamey, Public Relations Director Bob Fischel, Johnny Johnson, who headed their minor league system, Connie Fernandez, and from the Mets, Mets president George Weiss, the former Yankees GM, Charlie Hurth, and Lou Ness. Also in attendance were Yankees pitchers Whitey Ford and Bud Daly. So there you have it, the definition of a day off in 1961. It was a different time. Tuesday, August 15th. 
The Yankees are back at the big ballpark in the Bronx and 49,059 turnout and watch as two left-handers lock horns. 20-game winner Whitey Ford for the Yankees and Juan Pizarro for the White Sox. And on this night in two hours and 25 minutes, Pizarro outdueled Ford pitching the distance in the White Sox 2-1 win. Chicago took a 2-0 lead in the second, and the Yankees cut the lead in half in the fourth as Roger Maris slugged his 46th home run of the season, leading off the inning. Ford pitched seven innings, his record dropped to 20-3. With the Tigers sweeping a doubleheader from Baltimore, the Yankees' lead dropped to two games. Wednesday, August 16th. The Sporting News, the latest edition on the newsstand, and Elston Howard was the featured story. Howard has quoted how he owed a lot of what he was doing at the plate to hitting instructor Wally Moses. Quote, I owe a big chunk of thanks to Wally Moses, who came up to our club this year as a batting coach. He took me in charge in February. Moses induced me to shorten my grip, to cut my swing, to keep my feet closer together, and most important of all, to stop throwing my head. I had been told by pitchers about the head action and how it threw me off the ball. But Wally found the cure. He also praised manager Ralph Hauk because Hauk kept him at one position, catcher. He wasn't moving around from left field to first base to behind the plate. And he said that had a difference too. Howard also had praise for former teammates Hank Bauer and Phil Rizzuto. Remember, Elston Howard was the first African-American on the New York Yankees. And what did that mean in the 1950s? It meant in many cases, outside of the ballpark, feeling alone, discrimination, I can go on and on. Well, here's what Howard had to say, quote, Well, this race business can get you if you let it worry you. I want to thank two men in particular for seeing that it did not worry me. One, Phil Rizzuto. The other, Hank Bauer. Elston said he was a little bothered when he joined the Yankees to discover that he couldn't go to some of the hotels in which they lived on the road, in Kansas City and Chicago, among other places. But he learned to live with that as he learned to live with inability to rent a home on the beaches in St. Petersburg. His first training session home down there was with a cobbler by the name of Williams, who had a son Howard's age. Quote, I got pretty lonesome at times, and Phil would sense when I hit the real blues. He would take me to the movies. Howard went on, Rizzuto talked to me a lot about life in the big leagues, how to meet problems. Bauer, whose locker in the stadium was next to mine, gave me tips on fielding, on batting, on acting like a big leaguer, like a Yankee. You hear a lot about the Yankee spirit and the Yankee way, believe me. It is not exaggerated, end quote. As for the games, Roger Maris continued his torrid slugging, hitting home runs number 47 and 48 in the Yanks' 5-4 win of the White Sox in front of 29,728 at the stadium. The Yankees won the game in the last of the ninth when pinch hitter Bob Serb was hit by a pitch with the bases loaded by reliever Warren Hacker, who had just entered the game. Ralph Terry, who pitched four innings in relief of starter Roland Sheldon, picked up his ninth win against one defeat. Time of the game, two hours and 24 minutes. With Baltimore beating Detroit, the 78-40 and 40 Yankees had a three-game lead. 
Meanwhile, in a showdown series in Los Angeles, the Cincinnati Reds swept the L.A. Dodgers in a doubleheader in front of 72,140 at the Los Angeles Coliseum to move back into first place by one game over the Dodgers. And the seed for how we watch television sports today, even in 2021, was sown on this date. Let me read this story from the Sporting News. Two bills could change the whole concept of televised baseball. Senator Estes Kevauer, Democrat from Tennessee, dropped a bill in the hopper that would permit negotiations for television between networks and organized sports or package deals. Representative Emanuel Seller, Democrat from New York, introduced a similar bill. So what did that mean? What, what did this bill mean? What it meant was that these teams could band together as one league and negotiate with a network over television rights. Uh, under the current system in 1961, you couldn't do that. You had to negotiate individually. The Yankees, for example, had a separate contract with CBS in addition to their local affiliate in New York, WPIX. But you, you really couldn't negotiate as a league well, now you could if these bills became law, which they ultimately did. The NFL went out and cut a big deal with CBS. And how we watch sports in 2021, well, the seeds were sown 60 years ago. Thursday, August 17th, Bill Stafford pitched into the ninth inning, giving way to lefty reliever Luis Arroyo. And the Yankees held on for a 5-3 win over the White Sox in front of 25,532 at Yankee Stadium. Stafford picked up his 10th win against six defeats in the two-hour and 36-minute game, while Arroyo registered its 23rd save. New York jumped out to a 5-0 lead before Chicago scored three runs in the ninth. With Baltimore defeating the Tigers again, the Yanks now had a four-game lead over second-place Detroit. Friday, August 18th, the Yankees were back on the road and showed it. Cleveland erupted for three runs in the first off of starter Jim Coates on its way to a 5-1 to win in front of 37,840 at Municipal Stadium. So the Yankees lost the first game in what was going to be a long road trip. Jim Mudcant Grant held the Yankees to three hits in pitching the distance in two hours and 16 minutes. One of the hits was Elston Howard's 12th home run of the year. In Detroit, Rocky Calavito slugged his 32nd homer as the Tigers beat the Red Sox 5-0, moving to within three games of New York. Saturday, August 19th. In front of 23,398, Elston Howard's single in the 10th inning knocked in Billy Gardner, and in the last of the 10th with two outs, Ken Aspromonte, who would someday manage the Indians, doubled, but Luis Sorroyo took over for Whitey Ford and got Jimmy Pearsall to ground out, and the Yankees held on for a 3-2 win in two hours and 50 minutes. Ford picked up his 21st victory against three losses, and Arroyo notched his 24th save. It was the Yankees' 80th win of the season against 41 losses. With Detroit's win over Boston, the Yanks remained in first place by three games. Meanwhile, the Dodgers continued their freefall. 
Their last win was on Sunday over the Cardinals, increasing their first-place lead to two games in the National League. But since then, they lost to the Cards the next night, were swept by the Reds, dropped the first two games at San Francisco, and were suddenly three games behind first-place Cincinnati. Sunday, August 20th. They turned out some 56,307 strong at Cleveland's Municipal Stadium. Many of them Yankees fans from Greater Buffalo, New York. And they wanted to see Mickey and Roger hit home runs. They were not disappointed. In the first game, Maris slugged his 49th homer and Mantle his 46th. And the Yankees beat the Indians 6 to nothing. Ralph Terry spun a four-hit shutout for his 10th win against one loss in the two-hour and 11-minute game. Cleveland starter Jim Perry pitched only three innings and dropped to 9-11. and 11. Mantle and Maris did not homer in Game 2, but Moose Scourin hit his 21st homer, and the Yankees' Roland Sheldon picked up his ninth win against three defeats as the Bombers won 5-2 to two in two hours and 41 minutes. By the way, imagine... A doubleheader, and both your starters pitch nine-inning complete game victories. As Mel Allen would say, how about that? The Tigers kept pace, sweeping two from the Red Sox, remaining three games behind New York. At the National League, the Dodgers lost again. But so did the Reds, so Cincinnati maintained a three-game edge over Los Angeles. Monday, August 21st. It was an off day for both leagues, but the Milwaukee Braves were busy selling Charlie Lau, who would someday become a renowned hitting instructor, including with the Yankees, to the Baltimore Orioles. For the Yankees, we head to Tuesday, August 22nd, and they're on to Los Angeles to play the Expansion Angels. And for Roger Maris, Mickey Mantle, and Yogi Berra, the trip meant a detour to Hollywood. Dateline, Hollywood, California. This blurb in the sporting news. No one is rooting harder for Mickey Mantle and Roger Maris to break Babe Ruth's home run record than officials of Review Studio. Should either of the Yankee sluggers or both achieve the feat, executives of the studio predict a smash success for a film now in production. Mantle and Maris, along with Yogi Berra, will have roles in Touch of Mink, a comedy starring Cary Grant and Doris Day and scheduled for release shortly after the close of the season. The scene in which the players will appear will be filmed at the studio here in a replica of the Yankee dugout at Yankee Stadium. It will be shot during the Yankee series with the Angels in Los Angeles, August 22nd to August 24th. In this part of the film, Grant fulfills a desire of Miss Day by arranging for her to watch a game at Yankee Stadium from the Yankee dugout. When Miss Day objects loudly to an umpire's call against a Yankee batter, the arbiter walks to the dugout in an attempt to silence her. Miss Day turns to Mantle, Maris, and Barra for their opinion of the ump's call, and when each, in their one-sentence speaking roles, support her, They are chased from the game. Robert Arthur, executive producer of the movie, declined to say how much the Yankee trio will be paid for their roles. By the way, if you do a search on YouTube, you can find that clip. It really is pretty amusing. Roger Maris slugged his 50th home run, Yogi Berra his 17th, a solo shot in the ninth. 
But on this uh, Tuesday, August 22nd, the Halos reached Yankee starter Bill Stafford for three runs in the first on their way to a 5-3 victory in front of an air sellout crowd of 19,930 at Wrigley Field. Ken McBride hurled the distance in the two-hour and 29-minute game. Stafford dropped to 10-7 and with a loss and lasted just three and two-thirds innings. The Tigers were defeating Cleveland, so the Yankees' lead was down to two games. Wednesday, August 23rd. It took 10 innings, but the Yankees bounced back to beat the Los Angeles Angels 8-6 to before 19,773. New York fell behind 6-1 to as the Angels chased Whitey Ford after four innings. Meanwhile, former Yankee Ryan Duran was dominant for five innings against his former club. But the Yanks scored four in the sixth on an RBI single by Elston Howard and a three-run homer by Moose Scourin. The Yanks tied it in the eighth and broke the tie in the tenth on an RBI triple by Roger Maris, followed by a wild pitch. Luis Sorroyo, the fourth of four pitchers used by the Yankees, notched his 11th win against three defeats in the three-hour and 43-minute game. With the Tigers losing, the first-place Yankees' lead was back to three games with an 83-42 record. Meanwhile, Dan Daniels wrote in the Sporting News, The home run race by Mantle and Maris was captivating the nation. He writes, The home run fight, quite unlike any other scene in the major leagues, is getting a lot of space in magazines as well as newspapers and is being played up in television shows and broadcasts. In 1927, Ruth had his Lou Gehrig. But when all the returns were in, Lou, with his 47, was 13 behind the Sultan. Never before was there a home run race between teammates with a 48-45 count. The New York Times recently devoted an entire page of its valuable space and costly white paper to an analysis of the home run duel and consideration of the allegation that the ball has been juiced up. Newsweek had a long article in which the personal side of the contest was played up. Publications, which in the past paid little or no attention to baseball, have had special stories about the slugging Yankees. And writers, who in the past tussled with the international situation, now assay their chances of beating the record inside the commissioner's prescribed 154 games or in the expanded 162-game schedule of the 10-club league. Thursday. August 24th, the expansionist Angels continued to give the Yankees fits. Tom Morgan, a former Yankee, pitched five innings in relief to notch the victory as the Angels used a four-run fourth inning to win 6-4 to four before 19,819. Jim Coates took the loss in the two-hour and 37-minute game, falling to 9-5. and five. The Angels won the series two games to one. With the Tigers shutting out Cleveland, second-place Detroit pulled to within two games of the first-place Bombers, whose record dropped to 83-43. and The next stop for the Yankees? Well, they're going to Kansas City. Kansas City, here they come. By the way, in a poll conducted by the Sporting News, fans wanted to do away with the two All-Star games per season concept. The Players Association had already voted to play two All-Star games again in 1962. It was obvious the Sporting News was pushing for the one-game concept, writing several pieces in the August 23rd edition of why the one All-Star game a year was enough.
August 25th, a Friday. The Yankees continued their lengthy road trip by getting a stellar pitching performance from Ralph Terry, who tossed a five-hit shutout in New York's 3-0 win over the Athletics in an even two hours. Terry improved to 11-1 with a win in front of 30,830. Future Yankee player, coach, and manager Dick Hauser had one of the five Kansas City hits. Remarkably, the ten hits by the Yanks included two by Mantle and the five hits by the Athletics. In other words, 15 hits total in the game, all singles. Behind Jim Bunning's two-hitter at Washington, where Bunning would someday call home serving in the United States Congress, the Tigers blank the Senators 6 to nothing to remain two games behind the first-place Yanks. Saturday, August 26th. Roger Maris got back in the spotlight, slugging his 51st home run of the season. Tony Kubek added his sixth, and the Yankees down the Athletics 5-1 to one in two hours and 18 minutes in front of 32,149. Bill Stafford notched the win to improve to 11-7 and seven, and also gave the Yankees back-to-back complete game victories. The Tigers had a rare Saturday off, so New York's lead over second place Detroit improved to two and a half games. Sunday, August 27th. Maris and Mantle did not homer, but Yogi Berra slugged his 18th and Elston Howard his 13th as the Yankees held on for an 8-7 win in two hours and 34 minutes in front of 34,065. A's owner Charles O'Finley might not have liked the Yankees, but he had to be happy with the three-game attendance of nearly 100,000 fans. Back to the game. Whitey Ford notched his 22nd victory against three losses, but lasted only five innings. Roland Sheldon came on and pitched three into third innings. But Luis Sorroyo was needed to quell a three-run ninth-inning rally by Kansas City for his 25th save. With the Tigers sweeping Washington a doubleheader, Detroit pulled to within two games of the Yanks, who now had an 86-43 and record. And the National League... The first-place Reds continued their winning ways and now had a three-and-a-half game edge over the Los Angeles Dodgers. The Reds had a 78-52 and 52 record. Monday, August 28th. The Yankees were off, but the Tigers played the Senators again and won 7-3 with Rocky Calavito slugging his 39th homer of the year, Al Kaline his 17th, and Jake Wood his 11th with the win the Tigers pulled to within a game and a half of the Yanks. By the way, how about the Baltimore Orioles? They owned a 77-55 and record. In this day and age, 2021, that would be good for a division lead or a wild card spot. And by the way, how much would the Orioles love a 77-55 record in 2021? But in 1961, what did 77-55 and get you? Well, if you were the Baltimore Orioles, you were in third place, ten and a half games behind the Yankees. Meanwhile, for the Yanks, the road trip wasn't over yet. It was on to Minnesota. After Minnesota, however, it would be Labor Day weekend and a showdown series at Yankee Stadium against the Detroit Tigers. But first things first, when our podcast resumes, it will be the Yanks against the Twins. That is going to do it for our latest Baseball 61 podcast. Be sure to follow our podcast in the Apple Podcast directory, Google, Spotify, 
or wherever you listen to podcasts. You can also visit Baseball61.com. As always, thank you for listening. I'm Dan Lavallo.